This is the Better Reading Podcast platform with stories behind the story, Jane's Be Better Podcast, my book chat with Caroline Overington and more. Looking for a particular podcast? Remember, you can always skip to it. Welcome to the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story, brought to you by Belinda Audio. Listen to Belinda Audiobooks, anywhere, everywhere. Hi, this is Cheryl Arkell for the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story. We talk to authors about how they came to tell us their story. Megan Blanford, welcome to Better Reading. Thank you, Cheryl. Um, now, Megan is based in Victoria. She's an author and a prolific freelance writer. After a decade of climbing the corporate ladder as a human resource professional, Megan turned her hand to writing and is now a well-respected voice on mental health and parenting. Megan's writing has appeared in publications including Sunday Life, Kids Spot, SBS, Daily Life and Headspace. Megan is here today to talk about her new book, I'm Fine and Other Lies, a touching, deeply honest story of postnatal depression and motherhood, both the challenges it presents and the joy and hope that can be found with it. It's putting it out there, isn't it, for you? Very personal. It is, and it was, you know, a terrifying idea uh, to put this out there because in the book I get really honest about what it's like to be inside an illness like depression um and so yeah absolutely it was it was a bit scary yeah (laughs) put it out there um what struck me was the raw honesty but also the fact that you say that people experience depression in different ways Mm. it transpires in different ways talk to me about that yeah absolutely so it hits people in quite different ways and i think um that can make it a little tricky for us to recognise it sometimes. So certainly for me, postnatal depression wasn't a kind of by-the-book experience. When I started to suspect that I was perhaps going through something that wasn't quite right, um, I would look at the information about postnatal depression and I would see that uh, it was generally talked about as you would experience in A, B, C, D, E well, apparently there's a checklist Steps. when you there's go to a, the doctor. Yeah. yeah, and I didn't feel those exact kind of things. And so I thought, okay, well, this must just be how motherhood is. I just have to push through. Everyone else is, must be pushing through this. Um, and it's it, it took me a while to realise just how much it varies from person to person and that what I was going through was exactly mm. postnatal depression. But, yeah, it, it wasn't a textbook kind of example. And had you suffered depression before? No, no. Um, but I do talk in the book about previous experiences and my childhood and things to look at where this stuff comes from because I really was questioning, does, is postnatal depression something that just comes up out of nowhere when you have a baby Um, or is it something that was always kind of was my life always kind of leading to to this so 
Yeah. I, do you know what? I mean, I, I've not suffered it. So, um, and I've had, you know, I don't think I've suffered depression either. However, I have seen it and I mm. have seen mothers go through it. Mm. It, I mean, the fatigue must contribute. Is the fatigue a trigger? Because often I read that sleep de- deprivation isn't a trigger and I find that astounding because mm. if I'm going to be upset, it's usually due to lack of sleep. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I think they're, they're saying now that it, it definitely be. sleeplessness. Yeah, I mean, some some mums are just barely functioning, getting sleep. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And that has to impact your mental health yeah it absolutely has to and we would acknowledge that at any other time in our lives um but in new parenthood it's kind of gone well what did you expect of course of course you're not getting sleep push through mm. but yeah it's it's not that easy no it's <laughs> not that easy at all because there's the light at the at the end of the tunnel is is very far away okay so talk to me about how um how you kind of came to writing this book. Talk to me about your career change. Mm-hmm. Let's start there. And and I want to see, uh, I want to talk about, because there are so many people out there that would empathise or would understand or have mm. been there. So talk to me how you got there and, and how normal it is, yeah. is what I want to get to. Yeah. Okay. So if we go back to, like you say, I was working in human resources um, and that was up until I had my first baby. And I, I thought I would be like the other women I worked with who would, um, from what I could see, (laughs) would go and pop a baby out and come straight back to work within a couple of months and then be full-time and it all looked so easy. And I thought, I'll do that. That'll be me. And then I had my baby. Do you think, I want to just (laughs) stop there because people often say, oh, it's so hard. I didn't know it was hard. Yet I know it's hard. I speak to mums. I mean, so mm. many of my friends have had children mm. and have really found it very, very hard. So for you to think that you just pop it out and come back, yeah. where did that <laughs> idea come Did you not know people going through it? I, I absolutely knew. I mean, a lot of my friends. Yeah. And, the, and women, like I say, women I worked with had babies. But I think you can't know. I know we, yeah. we all say, but you never told me it was like this. But even when they do... You don't quite believe it or you don't think that's going to be you. Oh, it'll be different for me. I'll, I'll find it as easy as these people seem to. Yeah, you pick Not the positives. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I had my baby and just going back to a full-time corporate career just suddenly felt not what I wanted to do or what I could do. Um, so my baby wouldn't take a bottle. Um, she was totally reliant on me. She was a screamer um, and so it was very hard for me to leave her and to feel okay about leaving her so I ended up quitting my job and being at home and I'd never ever thought of myself as being a stay-at-home mum so I was sitting there thinking what do I do with myself now and kind of had this remembrance of um ch- little me, I used to sit there um, in my bedroom with my favourite books sprawled all around me and I would draw all through them and I would get in so much trouble for that, you can, ima- you can yeah. imagine. Um, 
but I would be playing games with my favourite books pretending I was writing them. Yeah. So I'd always wanted to write and I had always assumed that I would one day. So I was sitting there with this baby thinking, what do I do? And realised that there's very few points in your life where you're sitting around wondering what to do with yourself. So I thought, okay, well, I'll, I'll start writing and I'll see what happens. So that started with a blog, um, which was a, a great way to, to get some discipline about my writing, to see if I could still write um, and to see if anyone wanted to read it. Um, and it gave me a lot of practice. Um, this and is I guess about 10 gave, years ago. Yeah, it gave yeah. structure to your day. Yeah, it gave me that. some kind of yeah. purpose, something to do when the baby was sleeping at, you know, very small portions of the day. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, really, and got me connected with a lot of other people mm. online as well, mm. um, which was really such an important part of that time of my life where I felt really lonely. Um, so from there it grew into freelance writing. So I eventually came to the conclusion that I could make an income out of my writing um, and so I did that and worked around the kids. So you'd had um, no formal training in journalism? No. 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 I did a short course through the Australian Writer Centre. Yeah. Um, and that just... That's a great place. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That gave me the basis of kind of knowing the, the, the right steps to take, the right things to say to editors, all mm. that stuff. Um, so, yeah, from there... I guess um, as, as the kids got a bit older, I went full-time with my freelancing and but still had this, you know, I think it was still this vision of little me with, with the books all around me. So you didn't so go back I to thought, work at all? No. I mean, corporate yeah, work. Yeah. yeah. Um, I made my freelancing really successful so that I could yeah. work from home. Um, and, yeah, but there was still this idea of books and I still had always wanted to write a book. So... I shifted my freelancing around a little to give myself a day a week to to write a book. And I sat down to write fiction. I was going to write a great story, a great novel, and nothing would come out. And there was, I guess, you know, by that point there was about eight years of depression I'd been through and all of this pent-up kind of stuff in there. And I came to the conclusion that... I was going to have to let some of that out. That's what I needed to write. Mm. Uh, but it still wasn't... I still wasn't going to write a memoir, uh, which is what I'm fine and other lies has turned out to be. Uh, I was going to write just a, a, a fact book, kind of a mm. how to get through postnatal depression. And kind of... It, I guess it felt fairly safe to stick to facts... You know, I could write about this scary topic if I could have find this kind of safety net of facts within it. Um, however, I started to pull that together and then I, I engaged a writing coach actually to help me persist with the book and figure out how to make I've it work. I've never heard that. Yeah. In the over 200 interviews I've done with authors, no one's ever mentioned a writing coach. There you go. How did you it find was, your writing coach? Uh, we had we used to both blog and we'd connected mm-hmm. years before that through blogging and we still, you know, we were Facebook friends and still knew each other online and I knew she was doing this and she'd 
which is a literary agent. She's my agent now also. You um, can name her if you like. <laughs> <laughs> this is Anjanette Fennell um, from Story As Life. Um, and, yeah, so I approached her. I thought she'll, she'll get it and she'll be able to, to help me write this book because it's so different um, from freelance writing and from writing articles. Writing a book felt so different and, and quite foreign to me in some ways. So, and, and the, the topic was so personal that I was really doubting myself as well. So I sent her this idea that I had and a few thousand words that I'd pulled together and a lot of that was facts and ideas for interviewing experts on the topics um, and I'd put a little bit of my story in there just for good measure and it had just kind of come out. Well, and it was your experience. Yeah. yeah. And she read what I'd written and she, she got back to me and she said, okay, that's cool. The facts are, that, that's okay. She said, but those bits of your story that are in there, she said, that's actually gold. She said, we need more stories rather than more how-tos and facts. She said, write your story. And I said, no, that's too scary. Mm. <laughs> and she said, exactly. That's why it's going to be good. Mm. So she, you know, helped me through each, each week through that process. Yeah. I want to talk about your depression. So when did it start? Did it start after the first baby or the second baby? Um, it started after the first baby. Yeah. And yeah. tell me how that transpired. So... Like what were the physical and emotional um, feelings you were having? Yeah, I guess it's it's a tricky one. It's partly circumstantial. So, you, you know, I found myself, um, like, I, like I said, I totally gave up my career, which absolutely I was defined by up till then. Um, I was home by myself with this screaming baby. Uh, my husband was rarely home. Um, so there were circumstances like that where everything in my life had completely shifted really suddenly. Um, there was also just this, uh, oh, this physical sense of this kind of fog building up in my head where I, I couldn't kind of think clearly anymore and I couldn't remember things very well and my head kind of ached. And I was really tired and it wasn't just, you know, from the baby. Uh, by that point, she was actually sleeping quite well. Um, so, at night time anyway. And, yeah, so it was just constant exhaustion and constant ache, I mm. guess. Um, and, and, and then I started to feel very numb and I could see logically that there were points of time I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites so if you're not looking on LinkedIn you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? 
For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm where I would kind of notice. I would normally feel really happy about that. Or that would normally upset me. But I would just feel nothing and that was pretty scary um, and the only thing that would come out was kind of occasional bursts of anger and resentment at my husband and the baby um, but still this is all in hindsight it's that a I very can see hard this. thing for a mother to admit isn't it yeah resentment absolutely. that's hard yeah. yeah absolutely and I can admit it now mm. but at the time um, I guess I think I was so busy just push through, push through, push through. Mm-hmm. And the the facts were that I had a great life, you know. I had this baby that I tried really hard to have and mm-hmm. had, had wanted so badly. I had a great husband and mm-hmm. a, a good marriage. We had a lovely house in a nice area, you know. My baby was healthy. All the facts were that... It, I should be okay. Mm. So there's this kind of self-talk as well of what are you complaining about? You've got everything you wanted. Mm. Just stop complaining, mm. <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's not as simple as that tough. though, is no, it? No, it's not. It's not and it can affect anyone. And how then did you identify it? So I guess by the time I was about to have my second baby. So it had gone on for that long. It had gone on for this long and I had not reached out. To anyone? Well, I had tried to. I tried to kind of broach the subject a couple of times with my GP or um, my husband at one point threw the, you know, not threw, gave me the phone. He called a mental health helpline for me Um, and he was saying, you need to get help. But I just couldn't. I just couldn't reach out enough to persist with trying to reach out for that help. Is that because you were in denial or because you yeah. were too... Yeah. Oh, okay, No, right. absolutely. Just, no, this is... I know I seem bad at the moment, but I'll be okay again soon. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I pushed through like that for a, a long time. I mean, my two babies are four years apart. So by the time my, wow. my second was was a, you know... Was, was coming along, I was thinking, okay, things haven't been good and can I avoid that happening again? I need to not go back into that black hole. And in hindsight, I, I, I already well, was because I hadn't of, come out. I, that's I don't right. think I'd really come out of it because I hadn't dealt with any of that stuff. So I really struggled through my pregnancy. I got really high anxiety through my second pregnancy uh, I really found it hard to leave the house. Um, it was a real struggle. Um, because still, you were worried about what might happen. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It was just all of this stuff. Mm. And was still, still sitting there and still, no, still not reaching out for help. So I'm an extreme case in, mm. in that kind of way. Uh, but it's... I guess I came to realise, I I wrote an article a little while ago about some research that had come out from the Murdoch Children's Institute, which talked about 
how many women there are and the, the statistic was quite similar to the number of women who have postnatal depression and it's recognised earlier, the statistic is similar for women who realise it and reach out for help four years and onwards after having a baby. So it's actually more common than you would think to, you know, either realise it in hindsight or to finally let down your guard after a long time and mm. say, help. <laughs> yeah, mm. yeah. So it, it took me a long, long time. And so this book covers all of this denial. Um, I do... Like I say, I get very honest about it. I also have a bit of a laugh at myself. Some of the circumstances I put myself in in trying to deny it and trying to... Give us an ex- a funny um, anecdote. Um, I think some people find... I tried quite a lot of alternatives. Some people find that quite funny. <laughs> um, and I Like drinking be, some kind of tea or something like uh, that. Like... Um, alternative therapies of different types like oh, I, w- okay. I would think okay I'll go and have a shiatsu massage and right. then I'll be fine yeah um or I'll go hiking yep. exercise is good for mental health yes okay so I would ha- you know so you recognize so that, that you're having problems a, but yeah. you were kind of yeah, trying yeah. to pull through yourself yeah 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 certainly by that point I knew that things. So you had your okay, second baby. Still, yeah, yeah. But I still pushed through. So I just strapped on my two-week-old baby and went hiking for kilometres and kilometres through the forest. Right. And then I'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I was extreme denial. Yeah. yeah. So tell me, at what point did you reach out? <laughs> so I reached out. My children were eight and four, <gasps> and I still was finding myself in these depths of not able to get out of bed in the you know at some point during the day or lashing out or um you know screaming at at them or screaming at my husband and still just kind of thinking things aren't okay okay I've got to make I've got to be okay I've got to be okay and I ended up in the absolute depths and um, my husband had the children out and I was lying in bed thinking just wait for them to get home don't make any you know decisions about whether to keep living or not quite frankly mm. until they get home just what they'll be home in five minutes just give it five minutes and five minutes is a long time when you're in that frame of mind um and they got home and the kids I remember the kids running in and they saw me in bed and they went that's odd what's going on mum and my husband walked in and he said kids go to go and play <laughs> and he sat down and he said You've got to do something here, yeah. Mm. And that was. I'm that I'm was surprised your GP didn't pick up on it. Mm. I mean, we'd moved house. Mean in the meantime, and all of this. Yeah. So, and you're good at hiding had, it, obviously. and I'm very good at hiding it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no one realised how bad it was. Mm. No one around me. Mm. Yeah. And so, tell me, what was that step? What did you do that day? So I went to a GP. Yeah. Yeah, and said. I, and I just broke down and I said, I don't think things are okay and I don't think things have been okay yeah. for a long time. And yeah. what was the next step after that? Um, and so then I did counselling and, yeah. 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 Mm. So that was a, a huge step and makes me really, um, as much as I'm I'm not a poster girl for, for taking the best steps to, <laughs> to getting better, 
um, it's made me realise I was so scared of asking for help for such a long time. And then I did it and I thought, oh, is that it? Is that all? Is that all I had to do? I could have done it. I could have done that. That's not that scary. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to say to people is it's okay to say I need help. It's not good. You know, no one is going to blame you for that. No. I would have thought that we all knew that by now. Yeah. And we, I mean. Because I don't even think there's a stigma around it. There's not. Logically, we know that. Yeah. And if you look at someone else, you would say there's no problem saying you're not okay. Yeah. And. But when you're inside it, it's quite different. So inside it, you've got this. I mean, you're not thinking clearly. Um, Part of my experience with depression was having this kind of, um, this really critical inner voice saying to me, you know, don't let people see this. Don't ask for help. You know, you don't deserve to ask for help. You know, just keep Mm. this quiet. Mm. And people will judge you. People will think you're a terrible mother. So when you're inside it, you've kind of got this really confusing mm. set of thoughts going on and it's, it's, it's not logical. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's, I guess, easy to, to look and say we've come so far with mental illness. We've come so far with recognising it, with understanding it, with having Treating support it. services, yeah. with treatments. Um, and with breaking down the the stigma. I mean, you talk, you go back a generation or two, and our mothers and grandmothers say, "No, no, like you could never admit that you weren't doing okay. This was not a, mm. this was not okay." So we've come so far, and yet when you're inside it, it still feels kind of like, or it can feel mm. a bit like you're still back in mm. in those olden days where you can't admit it. Mm. Um, so, do we know, and I don't know the answers to this, but do you know what, you know, like, if you get postnatal depression, were you predisposed to depression? I mean, what is the conversation around it? Um, and then I would have thought, and, you know, I don't know, but that when your kids are four and eight and you're still depressed, is that still postnatal depression or is it just depression? I mean, what's yeah. the relationship between both? Yeah, so, I mean, postnatal depression is just, just depression. depression. Yeah. It's the same thing. Yeah. It's just it's called postnatal depression because of that period the, of time. Because the baby is a trigger. Yeah. yeah, and it's because it's a vulnerable time of your life. So I think it was quite clear for experts when I reached out for help to see that this had been going on a long time and this did date back to postnatal depression. Mm. But the idea is the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I forgot the first part. No, I, I'm just wondering, <laughs> like, postnatal depression is depression and yeah. so... Y- you, the baby, having a baby is a trigger, the fatigue, the mm. hormones, I guess. Mm. Do we know any more about what oh, causes are, it? There are certainly other risk factors. Like what? So, yeah, the research says, um, you know, there's a genetic predisposition right. um, for some people as well. There, are, And that's certainly the case for me. 
Um, There are some personality types, I guess. Um, Mm. And again, I put myself firmly into the category of the perfectionist kind of um, person who can be a bit more at risk of some Mm. of this stuff. Um, Difficult circumstances, you know, and loneliness and all of that can not put, having can support, put risk, I can imagine. Lack of support, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah all yeah. of those things can add to the to the risk. Yeah. yeah. And how are you now? I'm doing well now, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would say that I'm recovered. Um, however, I think it's not as clear cut with something like this to say, well, that's there. It was, and then it finishes, and that's that. Um, I take absolute steps to make sure that I'm gently and kindly looking after myself and I'm very aware now when I feel a slip or you know what it feels like to start heading back downhill I I know it I've um, had years of experience Mm. Mm. (laughs) so I'm really on top of it now and I'm really open now obviously with with the book everyone everyone who knows me has read it so they you know I can be really open with everyone now and so your advice to mothers listening now yeah I think it's I think it's this idea of um it's okay to ask for help it's okay to admit that it's not what you expected it to be or hoped it to be um even at at some periods of time um it's it's okay to admit it and I think it's really important to be kind to yourself and be gentle with yourself in and ask really for help. a tricky time. Yeah, and ask yeah. for help. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, Megan, thank you so much for chatting with us today. Thanks so much, Cheryl. If you'd like more information about Better Reading, follow us on Facebook or visit betterreading.com.au. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Belinda Audio. Belinda Audiobooks are available on CD and MP3 from online booksellers and bookshops everywhere. Or you can download from Audible, Google Play or the iBookstore. We've also created our own app called BorrowBox that's available from both the App Store and Google Play. All you need to do to get it working is to download the app, join your local public library and you'll gain access to the world's best collection of e-books and e-audiobooks available for you to loan on your phone or your personal device. Belinda, we're here to enable you to escape, imagine, grow and be inspired through the power of storytelling. Belinda Audiobooks, anywhere, everywhere. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash Upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review and check out the other podcasts on the Better Reading Network.